Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. In honor of Black History Month, we are dedicating February to featuring some truly inspiring Black female entrepreneurs and thought leaders. We're excited to be able to share their stories, accomplishments, and unique insights with all of you. Hi, everyone. Tara Williams here with the Mom Manual. Today, I have a very special guest, Lavelle Smith-Hall. She is a personal growth consultant and certified as an emotional intelligence consultant and mental health coach. And she's the founder and chief mom of Mom Logics. Lavelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tara. Nice to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. I love the title, the Mom Manual Podcast. Thank you. I am so excited to have you here. Personal growth consultant, certified emotional intelligence. Like, this is amazing. Before we jumped on here, I told her, this is my jam. So we are 100% going to have her back to talk about those in particular. But Lavelle, what are you going to talk to us about today? So... In my wheelhouse, not only as a personal growth consultant where I talk to moms and and I speak to businesses and I go in there and talk to their parents and communities and organizations and schools, I also have a community of moms and we spend often time talking about how do we parent differently than how we were parented. And for us in Mom Logics, it's all about redefining Black motherhood or your motherhood or your parenthood. And so that's what we'll talk about today. How do we redefine it and what that looks like? How can we parent with not just defending who we are as a mom or parent, but defining that? And how can we look at leaning more into our mothering? <laughs> and that's always exciting for me. Uh, versus... The, the harshness of parenting sometimes when that could be too much. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then parenting with intention, confidence, and setting boundaries. I love all of that. Tell us a little bit about what you do over at Mom Logics. So Mom Logics is a community of uh, primarily Black moms or moms with Black children. And we empower the moms through several things, our strategies, our tools, uh, soon to be technology, uh, the Mom app. And we do that through a variety of ways. Uh, and so that we have trainings and we have courses. We also have, we'll soon have an app where they can learn about just what we're talking about, all of these things so they can be better for themselves, better for their children better for their families. And that includes their, their spouses and partners. I love all that. Okay. Let's jump into your first takeaway. So before I do that, I want to just give an overarching Tara really quickly. And it, and it speaks to how we are redefining black motherhood and some of the myths that come along with being a black mom. So society will sometimes have you think that black moms are all of these women who are walking around. They're single bonnet wearing, welfare recipient, right? Who are bitter, angry, and man deprived. When in actuality, that's not all of black motherhood. I mean, that's not me. That's not the women that I work with. That's not our mom amazing mom ambassadors or the women in our mom logics community. The truth is, is that we as black moms, we are black women who are leading in our homes, in our offices, communities, um, organizations, hospitals, 
universities, corporations, um, and even on the Hollywood big screen. Yeah. And there are more of us doing an incredible job at being a mom than what the media will ever show. And so that's really important for me to share at the start. But I also want to share this because I know uh, this is our first time meeting and there, and, and so Black motherhood could be really big right. in a lot of people's mind. But culturally, or rather intraculturally, like within the Black community, we are often deemed as superwoman, super mom, superhuman. I could do it all and I could do it all by myself and I don't need anyone. And that's really not the truth. And yeah. that's one of the myths that I like to debunk in that the truth is we want support. We actually need the help. We welcome it. We're not super human. We're really moms with super hearts that love our children and our families and our communities. And so we do put it on a lot um, oftentimes, but it's not because we don't want the help. It's just because we want to do so much for everyone around us. I think you're speaking the language of all moms there. Before we started talking, I asked them about what the community, her community looks like. And, and you said, it, you know, it is primarily Black moms or moms with Black children. And I think so much of women, the stereotypes against women and single women of all colors is more similar than different. And then there's an additional layer to being that Black mom, right? And so for anyone who's listening today, who is not a Black mom or does not have Black children, Lavelle's going to share some stereotypes as she walks through her takeaways. And then also just really for the Black moms listening, some really great takeaways for them as well. Yeah. And thank you for that. Because in addition to the MomLogics community, I, as a personal growth consultant, I go into schools, organizations, businesses, corporations, and they have a very diverse parent community within those uh, entities. And so I'm talking to dads and moms. I'm talking to African-American, uh, non-African-American, Hispanic, Caucasian. So I'm talking a, a variety because at the end of the day, as moms or as parents, we just want the best for our children. But when it comes to defining your parenting versus defending. I love talking about this because we are so often judged and that's all moms, right? We're judged for our parented, finger pointed when our kids are doing something or little Justin gets in trouble or veers off of the proverbial path of what you want, right? Or shows up as an individual or God forbid, unconventional or unorthodox, right? And so we have to defend, we want to defend those actions or our actions and why we are a certain way or why we parent a certain particular way. And we do that in our families because sometimes it's the people closest to us who are doing the most judging, even though they love us. They may have strong opinions about what we're doing. Sometimes it's coming from our spouses. Sometimes it's coming from our own moms or dads because we do it differently. We do it in the playground. We do it at the schools. We're constantly defending what's happening. But for me, what I'd love to share with parents is the best thing that you can do for you and your child is to share what it is, not what you want others to, to be or what you think others want it to be, because you'll have others raising your children. Yeah. And so I'll give you an example. It's like, I feel like we can save ourselves a whole lot of energy <laughs> <laughs> by defending our, not defending the moves we make as a parent, but defining it point blank period. So my son's name is Alec. I'm a mom of two. My daughter's name is Braylon. 
And the question sometimes could be in my family, that intercultural, it's a very different name than say maybe some of my nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. Well, that's their name. Yeah. I don't have to defend why I chose those names. I don't have to defend why I put them in soccer mm-hmm. versus basketball. I don't have to start to give like excuses or explanations around why my son, he goes to Cornell, chooses to go to a PWI versus an HBCU. That's just what it is. And what that does is it not only helps you parent more confidently, and I know we'll talk about that a little bit, but it also helps your child understand that I'm allowed to be different. I'm allowed to be an individual and my mom or dad is an advocate for me and my choices and the things that I do. The best thing we can do for our children is to show up as an advocate. And when we start defending everything they're doing, then it starts to unravel what we're actually doing and our intentions for doing it. Some of those examples you gave are, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, your family is considering those white names or white sports. Is that right? Yes. Yes, they're they're giving you a hard time for that. Correct. They there's a uh, there's a conditioning or the uh, expectation that you're non-black or you could be perceived as non-black if you do this, this, and this. So there are some stereotypes, right? I'll give you another example. My son Alec is 21. He's six five. uh, (laughs) Math science guy, extremely bright, very smart. And so the assumption when people meet him is, do you play basketball or do you model? Well, you got to give him that because of the height, right? <laughs> well, I mean, but so that's the assumption, right? Height means you have, you have this athletic ability. Right. Quite honestly, Alex had the athletic ability since he was two. He's like my ball guy. He kicked the ball. He tossed the ball. He, he ran with the ball. So he's played every sport there is with the exception of hockey. and lacrosse. Um, So he's very athletic. But before he went to college as a senior in high school, this was him. I'm not going to play basketball and I'm choosing to go to an Ivy League. Very non-stereotypical for society to think that a black male who's 6'5 should be playing basketball and and wanting to aspire to be an athlete. He played it as a sport, but his focus is on his education. So I don't defend that. My son's name is Alec. It is not Alexander. It is not Alex. It is not, it's going to be the choice that we made as parents. And so those are small things, but they're big things when it comes to who we are as parents. I am a former educator. And so I would see in some of my parents themselves wanting to explain away an action, a word, uh, a statement And whether that child is suffering from, you know, say Tourette or Asperger, which is in the autism spectrum, we have to be really particular and really intentional about how we show up as parents for our children, because sometimes we're setting them up to be broken before they even arrive at their destination. Yeah. So for people who don't know me or haven't seen me, I am a white woman, so I have different um, things that I'm dealing with, if that's struggles or successes, than than a black woman or black mom. One thing that I heard a few days ago, and it really threw me off. Uh, and and this I think falls right in with what you're talking about here in a different way. But so we were at church, and I'm in the primary room where all the little kids are, 
And so they had something on colors. And so they had this ball and they throw the colors and it landed on purple. And one of the boys, I think he is four or five, just started ecstatically jumping and screaming and saying, I love purple. It's my favorite color. And his dad was in the room right next to him. And so he was like, oh my gosh. And he also loves blue and green and he likes sports. And like, it was clear and he was laughing and his mom was in the room as well. And she's laughing and I'm kind of uncomfortably laughing, but it was clear that he was saying, because his son is saying purple, that could insinuate he's gay, but he wants to make it very clear to everyone in the room. He likes other colors and sports. And I was like, what are we doing here? This is a five-year-old. Like it was, it was so weird to me. And so I can see how all of these examples where when you, when you initially said the names, Alex and Breland, I'm like, those are great names. What, what's the problem, but I don't have the lens that you have, you know? And so being in this room and this conversation, and I have a close family member who is bisexual. And that really opened my eyes toward that world that I had never been part of. And so I was extra aware of what he was saying was so offensive. And if there was another child in the room who is, these kids go up to age eight or nine, who maybe already is questioning their sexuality, how um, hurtful or just, like you said, defending versus defining, he's yeah. he's defining what they should be. And the kids don't even have a chance, or I guess defending, not defining. Yeah. So that's something that I saw just recently. And I love this idea of really stepping forward and defining versus defending. I yeah. think- so much too with the defending is, is that parents influence, right? And family members, sisters, brothers, cousins who want in-laws, 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 own in-laws. I have amazing in-laws. I hit the in-law jackpot, but I know lots of in-laws aren't. Yeah. And, and the thing is we spend all of this time and energy trying to prove that our children and our parenting is good enough and that it's perfect so that we can get that good mom, uh, a good parent check mark or the badge or the certificate or the trophy. Right. But I don't know about you. It's exhausting. Like mm-hmm. Alec is who he, Alec is. Braylon is who Braylon is. I am not going to follow the infamous trail of crumbs because yeah. of something you have going on. I love the example. I mean, I would think the example of the purple and adding all the colors is yeah. an example of what we do in defending everything, every move, every action even to something very extreme when your child does something that is criminal, right? Mm -hmm. And it really is off the beaten path. Uh, And then you have moms and parents who want to tell you every single thing that they've done in order to try to create this, you know, amazing child. It's not that those steps didn't matter. It's just, here's an act that happened, but we are still connected. And so it is a big concept, And it's a conversation that we have often in the mom lodges community. And it's a, it's a conversation that I will bring to my parents when I am showing up as a a parenting coach in those spaces. This leads really nicely to your second takeaway. (laughs) Parenting with intention, confidence and boundaries. Here's where I want to come a little bit more inward into who we are as parents. You know, we, we've left the outside world. Because I find sometimes working with my moms and my parents that they have children that are of a certain age. And then when that child does something, let's give an example of they don't have really great study habits Mm -hmm. or they don't clean up around the house or they don't say please or thank you. Something really, you know, I mean, I gave a range, right? right? But 
there's this idea from me that there's a lot of time that's spent and a truth I'll add when we're pregnant or expecting and we're reading all of the books and we're reading all the how-tos and then the baby comes and we don't have time to figure out chapter seven, page 12 says I'm supposed to do this, right? And so we don't have time. So now we're in the throes of parenting, but the parenting with intention has nothing to do with a book uh, that someone else has written, except the one that I'm writing maybe. But it has all to do with what do you see and envision for your children? Do you see them as good people? Do you see them as someone that's helping around the house? Do you see them as being independent? Thinkers and doers. And what is your intentionality while you're expecting, while they're young, before they get to that age? And it's kind of sort of like a plan that you should have for your family or your child rearing. And we don't, I mean, that seems a lot of work, like a lot of work, but the intentionality around how I want my children to be as per people when they leave my home. Hmm. So I'll give a personal example about intentionality. I knew that my children, well before Alec was six, five in his height and went to Cornell, that I wanted him to be an independent thinker and doer. And I wanted him to travel the world. And I wanted him not to be fearful about leaving home or anything to be able to explore and have experiences. So I intentionally put Alec on a plane at eight. Wow. And I intentionally put Braylon on a plane by them by herself at 11. Yeah. Because if I want them to be able to do the thing at 18 and 21, then I need to start doing a thing now before they get there. So that is parenting with intention is looking at not the now, but as I say in a house, I don't parent you for now. I parent you for life. Mm. And so that's part of the intentionality is who are they going to be and are they going to be ready when they leave my home? It's just so interesting because we had someone on talking about infertility and um, miscarriage and loss. And she talked about how the moment you become pregnant, you imagine this entire life for your child and how different your family is going to be in just nine months. And so when you lose this baby, a lot of people can't understand at, you know, Hey, you were only a few, few weeks pregnant. Like it's, you weren't even, the baby wasn't formed, right? Like but it's the idea that you've lost, right? And how your family is going to be different in this, you know, nine, 10 months later. I have four children. And when I was pregnant with each of them, I had this idea, you know, I had my kind of gender roles, like, oh, my girls, I played soccer in college. They're going to be soccer players. And my husband played basketball in college. The boys are going to be basketball players. And, and it kind of ended there. It was like, good people, play a sport, go to college, you know, kind of the basics. But I love that you've taken it further to say, you know, an independent thinker, a doer traveling the world and then taking action steps toward putting your child on a plane. I mean, I I do so much in terms of reading for my business and learning and educating myself, but I've never sat down and read. I read what to expect when you're expecting, right? Like what's happening in my body, but I've never read a book on childhood development or childhood, you know, anything with kids once they've arrived. So taking a moment and, and I love it. New year, new intentions, setting new year's resolutions. I love the idea of really, I mean, almost, and, and I'm kind of saying that you said this, which you didn't, but almost sitting down and like writing on a piece of paper, the intentions for your child, right? My kids now are four, seven, eight, and nine. They are formed people. 
My daughter, regrettably to me, did not like soccer, but she's a fantastic dancer. So it's like, how do we lean into who they are and then still mesh with the intention of who we want them to become with certain things like a kind people, right? The kids aren't going to decide if they're going to be kind. We're going to decide that. So you're getting my wheels turning on after this call. I'm going to sit down and write out a chart for each of my kids. (laughs) And or maybe all of them and just, you know, kind of some of these core things that I want them to do. But in terms of that true intention, I mean, do you have a specific practice like writing something down or is it thinking when they're born or doing yearly milestones? Like, what does that look like? Yes. So one of the things that we have within Mom Logics and we're rolling now uh, mm-hmm. in a couple of months, we'll launch is Mom Logics University. And we'll start with our very first course, which also has a coaching option. It's called Parenting and Education. That's the first pillar of it. And there's it's a module that takes you through exactly what we're, I'm talking, we're talking about now, which is some family basics, family practice. And so there's a family foundation. And so that's within our Mom Logics University, where there are four pillars, just to be clear. So we have the parenting and education, we have health and wellness. We also have the money and financial literacy, and then entrepreneurship for that boss mom. And so these different pillars will highlight different aspects, but the primary one, the very first one is all about the foundation of our parenting. It's how can I be intentional? How can I write these things down? Uh, You said something that I wrote down, which is the childhood development or the book when they arrive. We don't have time to read the book. Right, right. I mean, we just, okay, thank and you. Then I would, yeah, we just don't have time. And I'm a writer and I'm saying that I don't have time. I just, I, I just learned recently how to actually uh, read a book listening. And I know it's called audio books, oh. but my <laughs> is <laughs> that's a skill you have to learn because I am not an auditorial learner. Mm. I'm a visual learner. You know what? I'll back you up there. I can't, I, most of my audiobooks have to be fun fluff. I can't really listen to something with depth because I need to like actually see it. So I agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, there is the whole idea about what do I do with Alec and Braylon? Because not only are they six years apart, they're different genders and they're different people, different Mm -hmm. personalities. I, you gave the example about uh, your daughter with the soccer versus the dance, right? Is it ballet? Hip hop, all, all jazz, okay. all the things. I'm not, I'm not a okay. dance mom, but she does. It seems all the things. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so Braylon, Alec, math science guy. Yeah. Right. Piano flew through the books. Braylon, my child, she was on the same book for five years. Oh. We got to give up the piano, Braylon. I mean, you know, we'd have recitals. And Alec is, you know, he's soaring all of her, all of her little friends that she started with, they have surpassed her. Piano was not your thing. So, and being intentional about not what I want. And some of that comes across with us as parents. It's this idea, it's the vision, it's the dream, but you're going to have a lot more obstacles and battles. And I choose to pick mine with my children. I said, I was a, I'm a former educator. I did not tutor my children. I did not teach my children. And by the time they were third grade, they were independent in their own homework. Now we would make appointments with teachers, but I, mommy, had so many other areas that I I was working on. I didn't want to be your tutor. I did not want to be that person because I'm, I'm in so many other spaces. I don't want to be the coach I made a choice and I was very intentional. And so to get to those other points of confidence and boundaries, 
there's something out there called, and I don't know if you've ever heard of this, and this has nothing to do with being a black mom, a brown mom, a purple mom. It's this mom imposter syndrome. Hmm. And I talk about that not only in my book, uh, The New Black Mom, that I'm still working on, Tara, but I talk about it even in my coaching sessions with moms, because that's where I get a lot of my content from, for not only the courses in Mom Logics University, but the book, in that I don't feel like I'm doing a good job as a mom. That's that mom imposter syndrome. I'm faking it. I'm pretending because we don't, we don't know our children. Right. We know what other people's children are doing. We know their successes. We know in the play groups, what the mommy groups talk about. Well, my child did this and my child did this and they're amazing at this. And then we think that we can take that same thing and apply it to our children. And the sad part is, is that it doesn't always pan out that way. So if I had had the same hat on about being a parent or musical mom, yeah. or if you decide you know, that I'm gonna fake it in the soccer or the, the dance mom, and you're not being true and authentic, then that's going to not only damage your confidence as a mom, it's also going to start to spill over into your, your child ring with your children. And so I'm really clear about how can we strengthen who we are and get the confidence. And that's knowing your children and really leaning into what their strengths and gifts are. And it doesn't always have to be academic. It doesn't always have to be artistic and it doesn't certainly have to be athletic. And that's where you're going to surround yourself with the confidence. That's important to take you from pregnancy all the way until the time they leave your home to venture out into the world. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting that you talk about, you know, your son and your daughter and they're six years apart, which is, is quite a gap and just how much changes right. in in six years with education or emphasis on sports or music, or, you know, what society is telling us needs to be, especially right now, all I hear for kids going to college, you need a 4.5 GPA. I'm like, what is that? We couldn't even get a 4.5 when I was in high school. How, how, how are we doing all of these things? But I was just thinking about all the sports. So again, I have four kids. It's a lot of children and everybody wants to do everything. And I was thinking my son is, I was just literally wrote this down. He is in soccer, basketball, lacrosse, piano, and golf. And my one daughter does soccer. And then the other one does dance and gymnastics. And I am wondering, am I favoring him to do more things because he's a boy and I want to give him more opportunities. And I'm like, I don't know, but I will say I had my girls signed up for basketball and they both tried it for a season and said they didn't like it. So, and then I asked everybody, do you want to play piano? My husband plays piano and he can hear the music and he can we can turn on a song and he can play, which I think is amazing. And I have no musical talent and it's always something I wish I could do. So I said to all my kids, do you guys want to play piano? And my son said, yes, I want to play, you know? And I'm like, is that an inherent bias for me? Or is it just that he is standing up saying he wants to do everything. And then there's only so much time in the day where my older daughter has kind of meekly mentioned she'd like to play tennis or I think she wanted to do track. I'm like, honey, they don't have track for your age, but when you get older, but she hasn't really pushed it. So I'm like, is that because the kids are defining how much they're pushing me to bring them to stuff? Or is it because he's a boy, right? Which I'm not even sure why I'm sharing this. I just thought it was really interesting for moms as we are like setting these intentions for our kids. And and there's still that gender inequality, right? Or am I giving my son more opportunities because I think he's a boy and he needs that? I have no idea, but- something I want to sit down and really, truly think about, because I've never stopped to give this the intention of thinking. Uh, 
I will bring that to the table quite often as chief mom, Tara. I'll yes. tell you that. It's like, I, you know, when I work with like clients. It's like, I'll give you something upon to think about it's. And, and it's part of it is I am the oldest of six girls. Oh. I have been second mom my entire life. Yes. So even before I had Alec, I was in that role. Yeah. And so it's how I observe the world. I also think it's my creativity as a writer that I see things very differently. My greatest resource, or one of them, it's people. Right. And so we are all different, but that's the beauty of it. And I love being able to turn things upside down, but figure out this point. Because as all the jobs that I've had and ever had, the best job I'll ever have on this earth planet is being a mom to Alec and Braylon. Absolutely. But they didn't ask to be here and nor did your four littles that you are doing an amazing job with. So it is our responsibility. And also I think honor to be able to help them be the best selves they can be without being weighed down by all our stuff, but an opportunity, right. To be their own person. So uh, I think it's a fair question. Alec did, I said, everything. Maybe it's the boy thing. Maybe it's their adrenaline and, and, and he could never sit down. And so his energy took longer to run out than my daughter, who is a reader and a writer, and she's very gifted in that. And so she's a non, share her sport, cheer and track, but she is her greatest competitor. Whereas Alec was very much more competitive with teams and, and others. So it's sitting down and doing what you're already sounds like you're doing, which is how are they individual and how can I help them be their best selves? But I want to address one other thing and it's nothing strongly, but it's, you mentioned them being six years apart and how things change. Mm. My father passed when I was 18 and he instilled so many values in all of us growing up and I use those same values and methods years later Mm, because there are some things that are foundational and and some things that are rooted in that will never change. So when it came to like technology and a phone, quite honestly, I stopped checking phones at 12. Alec is a senior in Cornell. I just saw his GPA. I agree because I have to instill in you the things that I want, because once you can pick it up and it becomes more intrinsic versus extrinsic, then you're going to go off and be great. You don't need my checking grades. I don't need to check your phone because I've already instilled in you the values um, and, and and the things that are really important, not just to me, but to self. I think that's such a great point. And when I, when I think of changes, I guess the first thing I was thinking was like, you know, I, I have a baby product company. So baby gear, um, between my fourth or third and fourth child is three years. And it was like, everything had changed by the time was Luke, Luke was born, but then also, um, social media and kids with phones and technology and just how, as a parent, we navigate, it seems like right now, I read something that in the last two years, there's been more innovation in business than the last two decades. So, you know, that, that still kind of trickles down to the kids and what they're doing, what they're into. But for example, my son went to, uh, we, we don't allow sleepovers. And I know a lot of people think that's very unusual. That's just our family decision. And so he, he, I allow him to attend the sleepover parties, but he doesn't actually sleep there. We go and we'll pick him up when everyone's going to bed. And so 
he went and everybody was playing video games and he doesn't know how to play video games because we don't have video games. And so, you know, part of it is I think I don't want him playing video games and none of my kids have any tech. They don't have phones. They don't have iPads. They don't have watches and all of their friends have cell phones. And so their friends can text each other and they can, you know, do all these things. And there is a line between, am I sheltering my kids and not preparing them for the world because they're so naive and I'm putting them in almost a dangerous situation because they're going to go off to college and, you know, share photos that they don't realize everyone can see because they've never been on a self, right? Like I'm not giving them the incremental steps. And so I, as a parent, am so conflicted almost and on what our strategy is, I guess I should say. My husband was previously married. So we have seven kids total and his um, oldest daughter is a sophomore in college. And then he has two boys that are in high school. And so he's like, oh my gosh, I don't, I'm like, well, you've already parented kids. And he's like, but it was so different. Like we didn't have these questions. They didn't have these devices. They didn't have like, so um, that, that's what I mean. But I love your comment on the fundamentals are always the same, right? Want to be good people want, you know, you, you have a very clear image of what your children can be, should be, you want them to be, at least give them the fundamentals. And those are always going to be the same through generations, which I, I, I love that. And I agree with that. Okay, Lavelle, can you bring us to your third takeaway? I could talk to you all day. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, this has been great. A lot of fun. And so I know it, it, part of this is the space that I'm in. I love the, the products that you have. I love your sharing. Thank you for trusting me with that. Um, yeah, it, it, it makes my heart warm. Uh, and so the last one is leaning into your motherhood. This is the simplest of them all. When parenting is too much, listen. This is my takeaway. And this is my tip for parents. When it gets rough, when it gets to be too much on your plate, just put it down. Mm. Stop, put it down, take off the parenting hat and pick it up tomorrow. But then go love your babies, go hug your babies, go play with them, kiss them, tell stories, leave the taskmaster, the lesson teaching and needing to learn it for the day. Leave it for another day, leave it for tomorrow. Yeah. Give yourself a break in them too. Just be mom. I never was an educator, but I feel like in some previous life I was because all I want to do is teach my kids and educate them. And in every moment I'm like, oh, let's talk about this and let's talk about that. And where my husband rolls in, they play games, they laugh. It's like, woo, you know? So I am trying to take a note from him sometimes just to be a a less uh, intense mom. But I love this idea of like when it is too much, especially for the moms that are listening with young kids, when they're having a meltdown, you know, what, just put it down. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And this is not for, again, I, yeah, I am mom logics. You know, we empower black moms. That's the majority of our community are moms with black children. However, I talk to moms across the spectrum and that is a tip that we all need to hear and I'll talk to moms particularly with the young ones they feel like they have to get it all in no this is an intentional stop and these are also some of the boundaries we didn't have I didn't talk about a little earlier is that boundaries just don't apply to outside people they apply to your children too And so I don't want, you know, everybody to think it's about just creating this bubble for yourself. No, sometimes you need a bubble for your kids (laughs) and sometimes it can be too much. And so there are times where my daughter, who is a Taurus, Hmm. Braylon, the bull, and she is very strong will. 
And so I will have to give her boundaries of the conversation has to stop now. Mm -hmm. We're not going to talk about this anymore. And then there are even times when I'll say, okay, now I need you to exit my room because this conversation is over. (laughs) And so I have to be intentional with setting boundaries for my dear darling daughter. But yeah, the leaning into mothering is just really taking off the taskmaster hat Mm -hmm. because we want to be able to balance out and integrate the loving part of who we are. You know, being a super mom is just, we have super hearts for our children. And so show them that. Take out your photo album from when you were in school. Show them that. My daughter found a photo album when I was in college and she takes Mandarin. So she's really great. She's, she's a whiz. Like she's an advanced Mandarin. She does really well there. And she's like, I needed to find a picture mom when you were in college. She's like, I found that your album when you went to Florida and I had this whole album. Uh, and it's just like, I got you, mom, you have your bathing suit on and you look so cute. Great. She sees me as a woman. She sees me as a college student. She sees me as not just the drill sergeant for, you know, what do you need to do next on your list? Like learn to drive so I can stop having to drop you off at school. Right. Um, But it's hearing about her day with her friends or listening to Alec and the new girls that he's dating in his life. So it is sometimes a lot. So I believe in shutting the day down and, and packing all that stuff away until the next day. And, and just being mom for the day and not just mom, but you know what I mean? No, absolutely. And, and I actually just wrote myself a note, get a photo album from my house. Cause I don't have any photos of me when I was a kid. And I think it, uh, it helps our kids relate to us. When I, when I was growing up, I always viewed my parents on a pedestal. Like they were, you know, just this know all being that was bigger than life and, and always right. And you, you could ask them anything. And, and as you get older, I think it was probably around college that it, it tipped for me. And I realized my, my mom, um, she got married when she was 21 and she went from living with her parents to living with my dad, who's 14 years older than her. And, you know, I think she always kind of became, like stayed a child. And so when I was 21, I was like, wow, we, we are closer in age than, you know, than I are closer in mentality. Anyways, um, I love that idea. And to just to just kind of show your kids like, hey, look, I was like you too one day. Okay, Lavelle, I could seriously talk to you all day. This is such a fun conversation. Let's jump into our fire round. Okay. Um, so what are you currently binging on TV? Oh, this is like such a throwback, but this is what I'm binging on. Downton Abbey. Oh, I, I've never Downton, seen it. I, and I had neither until recently. It is um, truly my love. And so I'm all in. I'm all in, I'm, I'm following everybody that's the characters, whether they are the, the British royalty or they are the, uh, the ones that are serving them. I'm loving okay. it. Okay, what about, what's your most recent book you've read? In the mommy space, it would be Drop the Ball by Tiffany Dufu, D-U-F-U, yeah. I believe that's how you pronounce it. But I love the book, I love her, and I, I love the whole drop it, drop the ball, I love it. All right. And what about a productivity app? A friend of mine, Risa, she's a mom friend. We went to college together, but um, she told me about Focus To Do, which is one of those Promodor um, apps. 
35 minutes, 25 minutes increments. I need that because I can get so intense to what I'm doing that yeah. I don't I get to take a break. So I love the Parmadour um, apps. Interesting. I never heard of that one. What mm-hmm. about your um, go-to de-stressor? I got a couple. Uh, prayer. Love it. Music is, a, is put the music on and dance yeah. or turn it up loud and sing. Yeah. And TCM. The Turner Classic music, uh, Movie Station. Turner Classic Movie. Okay. I love I love going back and seeing what it was like when, and it probably connects to me being a, a reader and a writer early because yeah. I would just escape Brooklyn yeah. through the books. And yeah. so watching the movies that are set in the 30s, particularly 40s, mm-hmm. I, I just can escape in a whole nother world. I love that. Okay. So Lavelle, seriously, this was such an amazing conversation. Where can everybody find you? So um, momlogics.com is our website. You can learn a lot more about MomLogics University, about me as a coach and what I do with uh, moms and, uh, and also the team. So that's www. I don't know if we have to say that anymore, but momlogics is with an S. Uh, dot com. We also have a Facebook community. Um, we are a private community, but if you look up Mom Logics, you'll be able to find us. It's Mom Logics Redefining Black Motherhood. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Lavelle Smith Hall, as a personal growth consultant. You can find me there. And you can certainly reach out to me if you want to work with me in any sort of way as a consultant, as a coach for your business or you individually. Uh, and that's my first name, Lavelle, L A V E L L E. S is in Sam, H is in Harry at momlogics.com. Amazing. And we will have this all in the show notes. Lavelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Tara. This has been amazing. Thank you for having me.